Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. Without a doubt, it's communication. I have invested in passively in deals that it's been three and a half years and I've seen zero return on the capital that was placed, right? So I think that's also one of the other things that you need to be aware of is the fact that not every single syndication is going to be a home run. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools, and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors. Welcome to another episode of Ritter on Real Estate, where we teach you how to passively invest like a pro. Today, our guest is Billy Keels, and he's on a mission to help those high-wage earners and or retirees that have been forgotten about by so many in society. He's determined to help you feel comfortable and confident going against conventional wisdom by being okay with investing in real assets and doing that beyond your backyard. So, Billy, thanks for being here today. Hey, Kent, this is uh, really, really cool. Love your energy, man. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. So many things in common. <laughs> I feel like we're just pumped up this morning. I'm excited, excited for this, man. And uh, and this is unique because, you know, you're in Spain right now, right? Yes, I am. So you're Barca- in Spain. Barcelona. There you go, man. And you're you're investing all the way across the pond and you're doing it successfully. So that's, I want to dig into that. I want to understand, man, because that's got to be a complicated process. But before we get there, help the listeners un- understand your journey and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, man. So uh, happy to do that, Kent. And you know, I guess the, the origin of the story is just I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. So I've lived in different places in the United States, uh, watched my parents. Uh, each one of them worked multiple jobs to make ends meet, things like that. So I kind of saw early on what work ethic was all about. Although I also learned what you needed to do to not have to work so hard all the time just to make ends meet. Went to university at uh, Miami University in Southwest Ohio. Had this amazing job right out of college where I had the chance to work and travel throughout some 58 different countries in five years. And so it was just completely like just blew my mind. And after that, I didn't see myself working in a quote unquote normal nine to five. And so I did, a, I, I took a one year sabbatical. I was accepted at a university in Paris called the Sorbonne. Uh, and when I went there, I said, man, you know, what? I want to do three things. I want to learn how to speak French and learn more about the language. I want to learn how to salsa dance, believe it or not. And I said, I wanted to learn more about wine. And after about 
I don't know, it was probably six months in, I started, I'd gone through the whole frustration and crying because I couldn't actually get my utilities turned <laughs> on and all this kind of stuff for not speaking the language. And I wanted to stay because I started speaking a little bit more French. I was learning more about the culture. And I'd worked with a lot of Fortune 500 CEOs during that five years in 58 countries and was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to a- apply for a couple of jobs. And, and I started working not back in the U.S., but actually in the south of France. And so I was there. I was working in IT. I got into the hardware space for the first time ever. Didn't know anything. Didn't know the difference between um, memory and uh, hard drive or any of that kind of stuff. But it was a great learning opportunity. I was working, selling in French over the phone. Ended up getting sent to Italy to start up a sales team. So that was really uh, not expected at all. And then went back to France. And along the way, I met a really cool, uh, cute Spanish woman. And so we kind of went back and forth over over about two years from France to to Barcelona. And well, you know what? I ended up moving here to Barcelona. We got married a couple years later. I have two children and I've been enjoying working in a very large uh, multinational uh, for the last six, well, 16 years almost, which is kind of crazy, 15 years since 2006. But one of the things that happened, Kent, was along the way, like I'm a recovering perfectionist. I was the A student and I always did the things that you were supposed to do. Like you go out, you study hard, you get a good job. And what do you do? You max out your 401k. And in 2000, I took a hit because the whole dot-com bubble was happening. That happened to a lot of people. But what I kept hearing from my financial advisor was, hey, you know what? It's okay. Just write it out. Just keep, you know, we're going to do some dollar cost averaging. It'll work out over time. It always comes back. And then in 2008, I just got socked again in the stomach and I lost 33% of my portfolio. And I was like, you know what? Happens once, shame on you. Happens twice, shame on me. It's what my parents always told me, right? And so that's when I started. I guess I was looking for other things. I came across Rich Dad, Poor Dad, started it, put it down, eventually picked it up, finished it. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. I can actually have better control and I can produce real cash, not just on a piece of paper. And so I, I got started and I really wanted to do that. What happened was I wasn't sophisticated enough because I was living in Barcelona, remember? And so as I looked to go out and purchase properties to get that $200, $300 a month, I didn't realize that I was in the wrong kind of a location because everything that kept penciling out was either like zero, I wasn't going to make anything, or I was actually going to have to pay every month. And I was like, this is not, this is not going to work at all. And eventually, I got, cause I'd been geeking out. I was reading so much stuff, podcasts and all that stuff. And I was like, I've got to do something. A couple of friends of mine were like, well, Billy, dude, you're a U.S. citizen. Like, why don't you just invest in the United States? And I thought, well, do you not see that Atlantic Ocean between the two of us? Like, <laughs> right. I'm not going to do that at all. And one thing led to the next, but eventually I ended up purchasing property back in the United States. At that point in time, I was really focused on just properties and money. And since then, I mean, there's been a whole evolution and I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about some of that, but that's really how I've gotten to this point in, in my journey. Yeah, that, I mean that's an incredible story of traveling, you know, international travel, international intrigue, all this going on. And you know, what really stuck out to me though is how your mindset evolved over that time. The conventional mindset, right, and, and the, the the mindset that you were being fed, which is just, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about losing, you know, half in the dot com or a third in in L eight. Like it'll come back. Just keep doing the same thing. It'll be okay, right? And that's what we're fed like every day through the media, through everything else. And then you picked up Rich Dad Poor Dad, which so many of us did. It just lays it out in, I think, such an approachable way and such a simple way that it's like a no-brainer when you read that, right? And it just like, because I had the similar experience where my mindset, like, it just exploded. I'm like, oh my God, look at these possibilities. 
And I too, like I, I, I fancied myself a savvy investor. You know, I invest in the stock market for years. I mean, even since I was in like high school, but I just, I didn't realize the power of real estate. And then, and then the power of real estate at a higher level, like going beyond just being your own landlord and things, right? But just how your mindset changed. And then I, I can't imagine the, the massive mindset shift that had to occur for you to think, yeah, I can actually, I can actually invest across the ocean not just in my backyard, but across the ocean. And I can be successful doing that. I mean, that's that's a pretty incredible, I think, shift to take from, from where you started, right? And also uh, unique to you is, we were talking about this a little before, is like, like you like your job, you enjoy your job. And so many people I talk to are like, well, I hated my job. And so that's why I got into real estate. And so for you, knowing that you, you still enjoy what you do, I mean, you still had the, the drive and, and the passion to, to go out and and create multiple streams of income, right? Because I, I think that's probably what you caught on to and, and what you realized and that that need to diversify and and real estate was, was a great fit, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely that, you know, and, and one of the things that I think that happens is, you know, we all get the same 24 hours in a day and there are a lot of people that love to sit around and watch, I don't know, mini series or they like to sit around and do things that I just don't particularly like to do. So rather than spending my time and energy doing that stuff, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just, I guess I'm just wired differently. So I was thinking, all right, I'm gonna, I want to learn some more. I want to see some more. And then I got to a certain point where I was like, there's like all this pent up, like, frustration, like I've got to do something. And so I just got to a point to taking action. And, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So yeah. it just, it built up to such a point. And then I started getting those influences from other people because in the beginning, Kent, I thought, I was like, you're crazy. I'm not, I'm not going to invest my money thousands of miles away. Cause I'd always heard or understood that you should just invest in your backyard. And when I started realizing like, okay, well, maybe that's not that far out there. I can actually build a system. I can do things or at least I knew about how do you manage client relationships. And so this was like going from client relationships to now resident or, or tenant relationships. And how will we make sure that the, that our, that our resident, our client was the most taken care of so that they would eventually stay. So there was kind of that once I got through that initial shock and scare of, Oh my gosh, this is thousands of miles away or thousands of yeah. kilometers away, whatever. Uh, yeah. Then it was about jumping in with, with both feet. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, for the listeners, like, like what I'm taking away is like, there could have been a lot of points where your excuses could have gotten in the way, right? Like, uh, you know, too much time or too hard or too far away. And you were able to get through all those in, in a, a much more difficult situation. I think a lot, a lot of us are in, right? So if, if folks are sitting on the sidelines, whatever those excuses are, Billy's were, were, were probably greater and, and he was able to overcome them and, and he was able to, to get to where he's at. And so I just, you know, I want to use that as motivation for folks that, you know, just, just get through those limiting beliefs and just get started. Right. Yep. That's exactly it, Kent. That's exactly it. Get started. So we understand kind of what, what brought you into real estate investing. Let's really dig into, you know, I think it's so unique that, that you're able to do it so successfully from, from such a long distance. I want to understand, you know, how you're doing that. Did you start passively doing that? Were you investing with others? Or did, were you investing on your own right away? Or kind of how did that evolve? So I guess what happened is in the back of my mind, I, I, I thought to myself after 2008, I realized that all of the things that I was doing, like those really early morning plane, plane rides and, and, and staying up and staying in hotels and just working myself crazy. And then the part that I really wanted was the, my financial life that it was completely 
out of control, like it wasn't in my control, like that I had to do something completely different. And so as I mentioned, like when I realized that, okay, this doesn't really seem that far-fetched, let me go ahead and take action. And I was really focused on myself and on money at the time, right? And so I didn't even know that you could invest with other people. This was how naive I was, Ken. I I mean, because I don't come from a family that was involved in real estate or was involved in any of this kind of stuff. So I was learning as I went. And so as I saw that there was this, like, I just, I found, I started building relationships from Spain back in the United States from through family and friends and stuff like that. And I had, I had capital that I wanted to put to work. And so I just, once I got on one of the agents listings, I was receiving MLS listings and going through those and put a couple offers down and those didn't get, they weren't accepted. And then finally came across this duplex and the duplex put the offer in like super fast got it accepted. And then I was like, oh my gosh, now what do I do? Now what do I do? And so from there, there was a whole, I made a whole lot of mistakes. I mean, so many mistakes along the way, but I actually started actively investing for my own portfolio with my own money and building my own team. And and even like it got to such a point, I was managing the properties myself from Barcelona, which is not anything that I would recommend to, to anybody. <laughs> but like I said, I, I've learned a lot, but the biggest thing was I just took action. And so having done since then, I mean, I've continued to actively invest and I have now found out about this thing called passive investing, which is awesome too, because, you know, as you know, if I go ahead and I'm making sure that I understand the syndicator, the operator could be the same, could be two different individuals that they are aligned with what I'm really looking for that portion of my portfolio to do, then that's like fantastic. Like I can keep doing my job during the day because I like it. I don't hate it. And, and my capital is constantly, like I say, is on the treadmill and it's working and it's running. And so, and now even to the point where I'm, I'm syndicating my own deals. So I started out actively investing and I did that for a while. Mm-hmm. Then I found out about this passive investing thing and I started doing that. And then I was like, wow, okay, well, I've had the right relationships and was able to build them. And, and since then have, have gone on to or continue to um, sponsor specific uh, syndications as well. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and just, I just, I, it's so funny to me, like, like our journeys are just so similar. I mean, so just so similar, the path of just kind of, you know, going through this process of like, like not because I didn't come from a real estate family either. The only thing I knew was that if, if you, to invest in real estate was like to buy a single family home and, and be a landlord, right? That was all I knew about. And then, then your, your eyes are opened up to this world of syndication, right? And the ability to to invest with others that are maybe more experienced and have better resources and and are passionate about. It. I mean, you had the passion, but some some people just don't, right? And then and then being able to to take that and then realize, wow, this actually works pretty well. You've educated yourself to a point where you think well, I could do it on my own, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, just man, we're we're running like parallel paths. It's like. Uh, looking in a mirror here. I love it. Exactly. (laughs) And uh, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, we we talk a lot on the show that that the sponsor is the most important thing, more important than the deal. You've got to be with the right sponsor. You got to make sure, like you said, the sponsor is aligned with, with you and your thinking and your values. How do you vet a sponsor that you're going to invest with again from thousands of miles away? Yeah. So this is what this is, I think is, is in my opinion, as a long distance investor, someone who's going to do it successfully, this is the secret sauce. And I'll, I'll just tell you a quick story before, because I didn't realize that how important that was in the beginning, because as I, as I mentioned, I had money, 
I was looking to buy a property. I had money. I was looking to buy a property. So I bought the property. After I bought the property, things were going well. So I bought more properties and then I bought more properties. And then all of a sudden, all this money was coming in. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing. And then I learned about this concept that I think I read about, but I didn't really make a lot of sense at the time, but it was called deferred maintenance and issues and this and that. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, uh, who's going to fix this? So I called and I didn't have the team in place. And so I was calling a handyman who then called a plumber and then who called an electrician and all these other kinds of things. And so, and then I realized, well, maybe I'm not in the right type of location because all these different things are happening in the, and I don't really have a team. But the one thing that was aligned was really what I was looking for. And that was cash flow. So one of the things that I now talk to and, and teach my students is, hey, listen, first of all, it's about understanding what is it that you want and from your own personal philosophy, right? Which is, are you looking for cash flow? Are you looking for privacy? Are you looking for appreciation over time? Do you need tax benefits? And then once you're crystal clear on what it is that you want to be able to achieve through investing in intangible assets, then go to the location that actually makes the most sense for those types of, of goals. And then once you're in that location, like if you love appreciation, maybe you want to go to New York or you want to go to San Francisco. Um, but if you like cash flow, eh, well, maybe you want to go to Columbus, Ohio, or you want to go to a different city. If you like tax benefits, well, maybe you want to inv- invest in some other type of tangible assets that's going to give you even more benefit. And then the third part is absolutely the key, right? And this is where the team comes in. The team understands the location because then afterwards, whether you buy a property that is a 300 unit apartment complex, a self-storage facility or whatever the opportunity is, everything is aligned, right? And, and so that is the key. And so as it come, if we come back to the third point, which is really understanding the team, can't, I always think of the team, it's like any relationship. I'm married. I've been, I've been married now for a little over 12 years. And the thing is, I didn't meet my girlfriend at the time and get married to her the next day. Right. It just, it didn't happen that way. It, we, you know, we, we met, we, we talked, we had things in common. We understood one another. We had a great time together. We needed to talk about things that were serious. We talked things about that were serious. We spent time going to lunch together. We spent time having breakfast together. We walked together and we invested time to make sure that, well, you know what? We wanted to start to make our relationship even more serious. And then eventually over time, when we decided we needed, we, we wanted to, or we needed and wanted to get married. And so, it's the same thing with understanding your team members and vetting your team members, right? You're going to need to do work up front. And I, and I mean, specifically, if you don't have a referral, right? And even if you do have a referral to a specific team in a specific location, you have to do the work. You have to be clear on what it is that you're, that you're looking for, what you want your capital to do. And then it can be as simple as I'll give you some really tactical kind of steps. Like when you find out about a company XYZ, who is a strong operator in the right location, guess what? Everyone's best friend is Google. Google them. Find out what their what their rating is with the Better Business Bureau. Understand what other people are saying about them in their in the specific reviews, and and don't only look at the things that are negative in the reviews, right? Because people just human nature. We tend to write about things when we're when they're negative, but it's really about being able to to dig in, understand what's happening, and then you know you probably want to pick up the phone or get on a Zoom session or whatever the case may be to start that interaction. And this is one of the things that I think is really really important because if you're doing all of the work and you're not getting the right response from the operator, maybe it's not the right operator for you, or maybe it's not the right syndicator for you. And then from there, you should be prepared to ask them a number of questions that should be related to the things that you are trying to, the benefit that you want to derive from the real estate. Check that they understand the location. 
What are some of the different drivers in the location? Just talk to them about all the different things. What's the net migration? What are the different companies that are there? And then be really specific on the area that you want to invest in and just test their knowledge. If they're not giving you the knowledge that you need or that makes you feel comfortable, then guess what? It's probably not the right fit for you. And that's okay. Just keep picking up the phone and go to the next person, next person. And one of the things that I say also too as a, as a long distance investor is when you're ready to place your capital, right? You're, you're thinking about placing $100,000 in a specific type of, of opportunity. Well, speak to the syndicator and speak to the operator if they're two different people. One of the things that I've also done is when it makes enough sense, you have to put your money where your mouth is. And, and actually go and travel to see the operations or ask about the operations or maybe use technology to see what the operations are like, things like that, just so that you feel comfortable with where you're getting ready to place your hard-earned capital. And then from there, it's, it's to have the dialogue. And then once you feel comfortable, you do that $100,000 or $200,000 wire transfer, and then you be prepared for the, the return on the promises that were made. So... Maybe it's probably a little bit of a long-winded answer, but hopefully it gives some very specific tactical things that people can do to really vet a specific team. Yeah, no, I appreciate the detail there. I mean, I think you're just summarized, you're talking about, which I think is such an important step. First, it's understanding your goals, right? Your personal goals, because I think a lot of people go into it and they don't, they kind of skip that part. You're like, well, you know, what's your goal? Well, I want to make some money. It's like, well, okay, but but it gets more detailed than that, right? So first, getting clear on your goals. What are your objectives? You talk about making sure then, then you can make sure that your objectives and your goals align with the sponsor, right? And, and I love what you said about markets because markets are what drives a lot of the different strategies, right? There's, there's markets that are better for appreciation and building wealth and net worth, right? There's markets that are better for, for income and cash flow, right? And so I think- Along this, the undertone that I heard was you're continuing to educate yourself, right? And you're not just you're not just taking like a backseat and just reaching out and saying, okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of just just trust whatever this person's saying. You're educating yourself, you're learning about the markets, knowing the markets you want to be in, finding sponsors proactively in those markets, and then you know the questions to ask, right? So, you know, coming up with those questions, I think that's such a good process to go through uh, to make sure that you're with somebody that that you want to be married to, right? Because when you when you're in a what can be a five-year relationship, right? Like you, you want to make sure that, that that's going to work out for the long run. So now I, I appreciate walking through that. I appreciate the tactical, tactical steps that you shared. Yeah. C- can I add one thing to that, Kent? As Please well? do. Because I, I know we're, we're talking to a lot of passive investors and it's really important to recognize that even when we talk about passive investing, you're not passively investing. Like you need to do work to make sure that there's an alignment. And you talked about it in the very beginning. Like there needs to be alignment to make sure that you have the highest probability of achieving the goals that you're looking for with the team that you are, in essence, placing your capital and you're placing your dreams and you're placing your your hopes and your future with, right? Because to your point, it's it's a five-year relationship. So there is not really, if, if you just look at it and say, hey, listen, I, I just want to get this, I want to put my money here because it, on paper, it says I'm going to get the highest return. Well, okay. Well, if someone puts 25% return on, on a piece of paper, are you just going to place your capital there? Do you understand the risk proponent that's there? Do you know that the team actually understands the location that they're investing in? Do you understand the different types of maybe insurance policies that are in place that are going to protect your dreams, your future? This is why I say it's, it's really important for, for you as a, as a passive investor or someone who is investing your capital and allowing someone else to do the work 
is to make sure that you're going to be able to sleep well at night. There is nothing better than sleeping well at night. Like, I, and I know Kent, you're similar. Like, I don't sleep a lot, man, but the very little bit that I do sleep, I want to sleep really, really well at night. And I know that most people want to sleep well as well. And so it's about making sure that you do the work up front so that later on you can sleep very well for the next five years. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are some things, because you've invested, sounds like with numerous sponsors, so you've invested with a, with a few different folks, right? What are some of the things that when you're in the deal, those sponsors ha- have done well to help you sleep better at night? Communicate. Without a doubt, it's communication. I have invested in passively in deals that it's been three and a half years and I've seen zero return on the capital that was placed, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's also one of the other things that you need to be aware of is the fact that not every single syndication is going to be a home run. What goes back to the team is to be able to understand that the team is aligned with what you want to be, what you want your capital to be able to do. And so in those moments that are difficult, the most important thing is that the sponsors are in front and talking to you in a transparent way. Sometimes you have to deliver news that's negative news. I mean, that's just part of it, but don't put your head in the sand and just think that your, your passive investors are going to understand that because that's going to create nervousness. The unknown is the, is the biggest fear factor or that generates the most fear. So as long as your, your sponsors are explaining what is happening, why it is happening and what they're doing to minimize the risk or the negative impact, it's difficult to ask more of them. But that's why you do the work on the front end to to understand what is happening. I mean, I've invested in a hotel that opened in October of 2019. Who would have known? Yeah. It takes a couple yeah. months for it to get up to going. And then, hey, listen, we have a global pandemic. And guess what? Hotels are shut down. Right. What are you going to do? Afterwards, it's how is the sponsorship team staying in front with communication? And that could be formal communication. That could just be picking up the phone and saying, hey, Look, Kent, we're doing XYZ. This is what's happening. This is how we're protecting the capital. We've applied for XYZ number of, of loans or PPP or whatever the case may be, right? Yeah. But it's to stay in front of it with the, with the communication. And, and it's also to make sure and just to reiterate to everyone that not every syndication is going to work out in the way that it was penciled out. It's just right. it's part of it. In our firm, our head underwriter, he, is, he has a saying. He said, you know, every pro forma is wrong. He goes, uh, all it, it's just your best guess. He goes, but you're, you're never right on. You're, you're either better or you're worse. Because like when you're creating that pro forma, that underwriting, like that's when you know the least information about the deal and about the property. As you get in and you really get your hands on it, you learn more and you update and do things. But, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's exactly right. You've got to, you've got to know that like it's very easy. I love what you said. Like it's very easy to put 25% return on a PowerPoint presentation or even in an Excel spreadsheet, right? You can make the Excel spreadsheet say whatever you want, but you get to what's the probability of, of that return, right? And I think that's where the the systems and the track record of the sponsor really come into play. And we're having a good sponsor is so important. You use the baseball analogy of like, you know, the home run. And like the thing that I try to tell people is look, we're trying to hit singles and doubles. We don't aim for home runs because home runs don't happen very often. You think about a guy like like Babe Ruth, right? Who he he led the league in home runs. He also led in strikeouts. 
So you were just trying to sit, get singles, doubles, and stay on base, you know, and you keep going around the bases. And I think that's the right way to think about it. So you're, you're investing from afar, you're actively investing, you're passively investing. For folks that, that want to, to do the same, maybe not other countries, but even just investing out of state, are there tools that you've learned along the way, tricks, tools that, that can help people do that better? Yeah, absolutely. I always like to keep it as strategic as possible in this regard, right? Because I think the tools change all the time. However, Kent, you and I want to, you know, you're, you're leading a syndication. I've found out about you because I saw you on the internet and you make it really easy for me to reach out to you. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to you and I'm going to find out and you give me some of your time. I'm going to get on a phone call. I'm going to get a chance to see you. Like if I were in the same physical space, we'd probably meet up at a Starbucks or in your office for a cup of coffee and a great conversation. Well, when you're thousands of, yeah, when you're thousands of miles away or thousands of kilometers away, however you want to look at it, we leverage technology. So you made it easy for me to get in touch with you. I reached out and we're on a Zoom or Skype or whatever that medium is so that we can get a chance to know one another. Afterwards, we both have email. So guess what? We can continue to communicate with one another in email form. Eventually, if you, if I want to continue on your, in, in your world, then I'm going to say, Hey, listen, are, are you doing anything? Or is there any way I can stay up to speed on what you're doing? And guess what? You have a way for us to stay in touch through your email automation. And so we're staying in touch that way. And all along the way, it goes back to what I was talking about before. We're developing a relationship because eventually once it makes sense for the two of us, that's when we get together and you, we put all of the different feelings that we have and we put it on a, a on a sheet of paper and, and that could be a, an operating agreement or a private placement memorandum or any of those different four or five documents that we sign. And then we formalize that later. But the process is really just to get to, first of all, know you, then go through the process to get to like you and then trust you with my dreams and, and with my goals in the future. And then we can use the different technologies that are there, everything from email to uh, video conferencing, to the phone or to WhatsApp or whatever the case may be, that's going to help to facilitate us strengthening that relationship over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, very good. So what you're describing is kind of just these multiple touch points, right? And taking the time to build that relationship and, and build that trust. Very cool. It's kind of funny, like just in, in the world that we live in now where everything has gone virtual anyway, it just seems to me like so much more approachable. Like, like you investing from afar really is no different from really how I would communicate to anyone else these days. Right. So it just, it is so much more approachable, I think. Yeah. So yeah. before we get to our keys to success, I got to ask you, cause I saw this in your bio, you speak five languages. Yes, I do. I do. Well, what are those languages? So I speak uh, Spanish, I speak Catalan, which is the language that they speak where I live here in, uh, in Barcelona. I speak French, I speak Italian, and I speak a little bit of English. So <laughs> a little bit of English on the side, <laughs> on the side, right? So when I have, ex- when I have extra time. <laughs> right. So how do you, you know, how does somebody go about learning, learning five languages? So I started at 27, right? And so it wasn't that I really spoke the languages before. Actually, I think it's a lot easier today, Kent, because of technology. I mean, you can sit and listen to YouTube videos in whatever language you want all day, every day, and just get your ear attuned to it. But when I started, I took a very traditional approach. I mean, I'd taken Spanish in high school and college and ended ended up getting a degree in Spanish. So maybe I was a little bit further ahead there. But it's a very 
different situation when you're learning it on a piece of paper and you have time to think and memorize versus just having an interaction like this. But the biggest thing is just to put yourself in the situation. Now, I did it physically moving to the country. Like I lived in France uh, for two and a half, three years. I lived in Italy and I've lived in Spain for the last, well, 15 going on 16 years. So I've been through those situations where I would, like I said earlier, like I was frustrated. I was crying in my, you know, very small studio, not because I didn't feel like I could do it, but it was just frustrating when you're just trying to get your lights turned on and people don't understand because this was the mentality that I had is like, people don't understand that I'm trying to speak to them. But it was like, it wasn't that. It was that I still hadn't achieved the level for them to understand me because I was actually in their hometown. And so a lot of it goes, and this is what, when I talk about language and also understanding the culture. And so you start seeing some of those things in that evolution. And one of the things I do today is when it was selling software and when you're able to sell, you know, multiple millions of of euros worth of software and you're doing it in a different language that's not yours and you're and you're working with cultural norms that are that were not the ones that you were born with it really helps you at a at an individual level to recognize the the growth do i speak any of those languages natively no but most people when they hear me they're like well you don't really look Spanish or you don't really look Italian. And I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I'm like, okay, but you sound it. And so yeah. it's just, you know, being there and, and assimilating and learning and, and making a whole lot of mistakes, man. I've made millions of mistakes linguistically. Each mistake gives you the opportunity, especially when you surround yourself with the right people, locals, natives, they help you improve. Just like real estate investing. I mean, it's the exact same thing. You're going to have to make a lot of mistakes to get to the point that that you want to eventually arrive to. Yeah, cool. I just had to ask that question because that's it's still a personal goal of mine is, is to learn another language. I, I I knew a little bit of Italian, you know, one, at one point back in the day because I, I studied abroad in Italy. But uh, mm. it goes fast when you're not using it all the time. So definitely, definitely. Well, podcasts have helped a lot with that, right? And and so a lot of your audience will know that because they're they're here and they're listening to you, they're watching you constantly. And if they wanted every once in a while, just take 10, 15 minutes of another audio and in, in Italian language, you can do that. And when you're on your ride to uh, to work or something like that, man, or wherever, meeting up with friends. Very good. Very cool, Billy. Well, let's move on to our keys to success. So four questions I want to ask you. First one is, what is the one question, if you only had one question, that every investor should ask their deal sponsor? I would ask the, the, the deal sponsor, similar to what you mentioned earlier, but tell me about the the least performing deal. And what happened? What did you do with that? I would leave it very open just to see, okay, do they have any deals that didn't work out? If they do, then what did they do to actually do whatever? And I, I don't want to give like the answers, but yeah, it depends yeah. on what they say. Just leave it right. very, very wide open question. But most people don't want to talk about the things that did not work. But But when you've done this long enough, you recognize that there are moments and there are times and there are things that do not work in a syndication. And how do you react to that? Mm -hmm. It's a really good question for a couple of reasons. You know, one is gauging honesty. Are they going to tell you about it? If they truly don't have something that's gone wrong, they probably just, they probably haven't been doing it long enough. And you need to ask about track record because real estate, I mean, the way I look at it is like real estate is about solving problems, right? So, so problems are going to come up. It's how do you solve them and how do you move past them? Right. And so I think that's a really telling question. Yeah. And it's definitely keep the question open just to your point right now, right? Because 
if they don't tell you one thing, maybe they haven't done enough. And when, and when I say they or what I'm talking about their team, right? Cause as you, as you know, Kent, and as all of your, your audience knows, it's not just about one person. It's about the team. And how did the team react to that, that syndication that didn't go according to plan? Definitely. Definitely. What are you most proud of in your career? Today, the thing I'm the most proud of is that I continue to move forward and I'm doing that while I still like my day job, right? Because there are some times when you could, where I could have just said, well, I'm not going to keep following my dream because I've got a really well high paid W-2 equivalent, right? And the fact of the matter is that I have for a number of years, seven years, continued to forge forward and and have not stopped. So that's the thing. If I have to take a second to think about it, yeah, that's the thing that I'm the proudest of. Awesome. What book should everyone read? Without a doubt, without a doubt, the book I think everyone should read. This is a book that absolutely changed my whole world in the way that I perceived currency. And it is a book written by, uh, the author is G. Edward Griffin. And the book is called The Creature from Jekyll Island. Mm, Yeah. When I heard about it, I thought, well, Jekyll and Hyde, what is this all about? And so when you realize what happened to the world in 1913, in this little island off the coast of, of Georgia, when a whole bunch of people got together from different places on the East Coast and created this thing called the Federal Reserve, Mm -hmm. just completely changed my perception of the world. And I I think for those people that invest time to read that book, not just once, but multiple times, it is something that will really help you to understand the importance of, well, just central banks, debt, and currency in general. Yeah, that for me is the, without a doubt, the creature from Jekyll Island. Yeah, it's a really good book. And I think it, it opens up your eyes and it helps you see behind the curtain a little bit how things work and, and kind of how things started. So yeah, really good book. What is your number one key to success? Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. I was going to say take action, but keep moving forward mm-hmm. because there are moments, Kent, and you know this, man, whether you're a passive investor, you're an active investor, when things you have this moment where you can just collapse and and do whatever it was you were doing before, go back to what you were taught early on, especially if it's the conventional, traditional things. And really, it is about continuing to move forward, just continue to progress, even if it's just a little bit, just you know, push yourself, have your team push you, push your team to just keep moving forward. Yeah. Awesome. That's a great tip. Just always improving, right? Yeah. 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 Great. Billy, thank you so much for being here today. You're actively syndicating your own deals, right? It sounds like you're coaching. If folks want to reach out to you and learn more, how can they get a hold of you? Kent, if you're, if you'll allow me, I'll give people a couple of different ways because everybody kind of works in different ways. Like for Please those people do. that just really want to reach out and say, Hey, look, I want to talk to you. I want to understand more about long distance investing. Maybe you live in one part of the U.S. and you want to invest in another part. Let's get on the phone. Just go to bit.ly, bit.ly forward slash speak with Billy. 30 minutes of my time, no strings attached. It's just my way of being able to give back. I love LinkedIn, Kent, as you know. Uh, so I would say also reach out to me at LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Let me know also too that you saw Kent and I speaking here. He and I would both appreciate that. Uh, for those people that want to hear like twice a week, 
really long distance investing stories from the best experts in the business. Uh, you can go to the, also let, check out the, uh, the going long podcast with Billy Keels. You can find it on most major platforms on YouTube and stuff like that. And if you just want to check out what we're doing, just go to Billy Keels, dot com. And then one last thing, if you are interested in picking up uh, an ebook that talks about my uh, journey in long distance investing, you can go to growyourmoneythesmartway.com. Right on, man. You got a lot going on and a lot, but you're, it sounds like you're an easy man to reach. You know, whatever your preferred preference, you can get a hold of Billy. Yeah, we so try we'll to make come- it easy. We'll make sure all that's all that's linked below. So if you want to just scroll down, you can find your preferred method. Thank you very much for the invitation. Really appreciate the opportunity to share a bit of my story. And I love what you're doing here, man. You're just, uh, you're rocking it and you're building a, a wonderful community. So thanks for letting me be a part of it. Absolutely. Thanks for adding value today. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro.